so just without further ado, I'll get into it. I'll let you let you tell the, the crowd about yourself, the fans about yourself, um, and then we'll backtrack and get to uh, what you did to get to where you're at and how you're still involved in soccer. So what are you up to nowadays? You know, give us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing now today. Okay. Um, good afternoon for all the brilliant young minds and footballers out there. And um, before I go on, I want you all to know that they both won in the same, huh? To be a brilliant footballer, you have to be you have to have a brilliant mind. So understand that that I'm talking to you all because you all are you all are smart enough to play football. Um yeah, going forward, let's go. So my name is Julius James. I have played football professionally for eleven plus years in Trinidad and Tobago and in the US. I had a dream as a young kid to become a pro and to not be in the situation that I saw my parents in when I became an adult, which is not having enough money to pay for clothes and shoes and those kind of basic things that, um, you know, sometimes food, right? Those kind of basic things, I realized that I didn't want to struggle to pay for when I grew up. So uh, before I start to dream and to play, I already had I had a goal in mind that I, that I wanted to change my economic status. Um, currently, we will go back from, where, from, from, from uh, where I'm going to go to now, but currently, after my 11 years, I just stopped playing football, soccer, and now I am coaching at um, the new MLS expansion team into Miami CF, the David Beckham owned team. Is an, is an amazing experience for me to be able to play, to be able to coach at the academy that David Beckham owns because I looked up to him while I was playing and there was a Trinidad and Tobagonian named Dwight York that won many Champion League games with him. And, um, you know, he was, he was someone that we all looked up to growing up. And now I have the opportunity to work for him after playing against him, after watching him play in Europe and in Champions League and then playing against him in the MLS and then years after being able to, to work for him and build my career as a coach. That's awesome. That's awesome. Obviously, that's... It was, it had to be a dream to meet him. Um, so to get to that level, obviously, you had to do a lot of work and a lot of stuff, um, you know, just to get there. So let's let's go back to where you started. Tell us a little bit about, you know. All right. You <laughs> You're sure? You're ready for this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dwayne's been waiting. Dwayne's been waiting. Island guy. Where, where I started, I started mm -hmm. in a place called Maloney Gardens in Trinidad and Tobago. I was born and I grew up there. It's, it's a rough place to be in, in, uh, in the country. 
there's a lot of crime and drugs and you name it, domestic violence, you know. But there's also, you know, that's where my family grew up. That's where I met my best friends and that's where I learned to, to you know, to squabble and to, <laughs> that's where I, I, I practice football by myself, you know. But um, it's a dangerous place. And from a young age, I had to understand what is right and what was wrong because getting tied up in the wrong things in the environment that I was in was a fast track to death. And, you know, till this day, I'm very happy for the decision that I made, but also for how my parents uh, raised me and me listening to my parents because um, a lot of my friends right now that I grew up with um, are not are, are dead. They died from crime, either being, either perpetrating crime and, you know, the, the life of crime catching up to them or being criminally assaulted and getting into the wrong elements and getting, you know, shot or stabbed or whatever. It's a, it's a pretty graphic childhood, but you know, all of that, all of that gives you, gives you um, an appreciation for life, you know, for, for keeping it and for, for going after things that you really want. Yeah, absolutely. I bet that had to be all obviously things that helped to motivate you and fuel you to stay away from that, um, just to obviously inspire where you've been and where you've gotten to within your career. You know, so yeah, yeah. Well, football, football for sure, because of because of the um, the requirements of football, because of the the constraints of football to get better. If if you want to get better in the game, it's no fast track. To it. You can't just like <laughs> juggle one day and all of a sudden you're going to be good at juggling. You know, you can't go and pass the ball five hundred or thousand times with your right foot and all of a sudden you'll be great at passing, right? It's, it's constant practice and it's constant working because the ball is round and the game is constantly changing and you have to build muscle memory, right? Absolutely, yeah. To build muscle memory, you have, you have to repeat, 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 repeat. Absolutely. So I had no time to, to really... To me, it was go and die and, and um, go into a, a life that doesn't provide or try to focus on football. Now, I'll, I'll have you know that I started to play football at the age of 12. Really? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it oh, was wow. by chance that two of my friends, one of them died, he got stabbed. He, both of them came and asked me to go to this trial that I wasn't of age for. But when, I, when we ended up going there, I realized that the, they, were, they put it down um, wrong in the, in the papers or we didn't read it properly that it was a three-year program to go play in the Under-17 World Cup. So they were recruiting Under-13s and Under-12s. So that was right around the time when I started to learn to play. Like a year and a half after, this opportunity came. And um, I went into this program 
well, I, I went into a coaching school first where I learned some basics and everything, but through all the practice and the passion and the, and the love for the game, you know, I was able to compete in the, in the um, national team trials. And while we were competing, they were also coaching us because we were young in the game and I was taking all of that in. So that's kind of how my footballing career took off because I got the opportunity to go to the, um, into this on a 17th um, national team program. Well, it's crazy you said that. So you started, you started playing at 12. Is that when you started playing uh, organized soccer? So did you play you know, with your buddies and you know, just yeah, so, so before, before that, I used to swim. So I, was, I wasn't really playing football like that. I oh, was wow. a competitive swimmer, yeah. Okay. So you were just I an just, athlete. You picked it up a little late. Um, you know, and then obviously we're fortunate enough to be in that situation to make that team. But Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. I mean, my <laughs> two of my friends, they just saw it in the papers one Sunday. I was supposed to go to church. And they came and begged my parents for me to not go to church, for yeah. me to go and go on this trial. And it was a projected age of 17. Okay. I didn't even know it was for, for 13 and 12 years old. So my two friends, they were older than me. They mm. weren't able to take the trial. So it was all by being positive. And by, because at first, when they came to me, I was like thinking in my head, the, the, I'm too young for this. I'm too young. I'm too young. You know, these guys are older than me. But, you know, my two friends pushed me and I also was very competitive. Yeah. So, it's by chance, man, and the opportunity. I took it. I took it. I worked, my, I worked really, really hard. I was probably one of the worst, worst, um, worst kids in terms of technical ability and everything. But you know, I was actually going to ask you about that too. With you starting late, you know, at twelve, obviously, you had to really put in some work to man, get to that. Man, man, yeah, what, I. What <laughs> I think you had to do extra, especially starting that late. Bro, um, I was so bad. I was so bad, man. My my buddies and them used to laugh at me when I tried to juggle. You know, when you see kids start juggling and their and their knees don't bend. <laughs> 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 you know like that's my that was I could remember it that's my it was so frustrating you know to see everyone else so so good and stuff and um <laughs> I, I was bad <laughs> what could I say what could I say I was just bad so what'd you do how do you how do you get so good just within the span of that short period of time that's it gives you what six push man Five years, five years of being a youth player before college. What did you do to bridge that gap? Every day with the ball. Everything I did, I was with the ball. Every single thing. My parents, like I'm walking around the house. The ball is at my feet. My parents send me out to the shop. I'm either walking or jogging or sprinting to the shop with the ball at my feet. I, you know, after school every day, I'm with the ball juggling, you know, as many yeah. touches as I could. When I reach a point where I'm, I'm past touches, then, I'm, then I realize that juggling is just a mind thing. It's just how well you could focus. Because if you could juggle the ball 10 times, why can't you juggle it 10 more times and 10 more and 10 more? It's just about focus. Mm -hmm. So then I realized that 
if I could build my focus and my concentration, then I could juggle more. And I started to juggle for time and then started doing skills and hitting the ball off the wall. Just anything that I saw on TV or anything that I, that I learned from my coaches, every time I learned it, I would go home and I would nail it down until I'm like, just constant practice, constant, 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 until there was a time where football became so much that I didn't have enough energy to even practice, you know, it's just home from practice. I couldn't even wash my clothes and things. You know, my parents used to help me out. So, I, you know, you'll have to wash your clothes because it's raining and it get muddy and stuff. But when you, when you, when you give yourself to the game, the game they start requiring plenty from you too. And you have to be willing. When, when the two meet each other, your work rate and your work ethic has to be what the game requires or else you're going to fall at the side and you're going to be kicking yourself with the opportunity that you, that you got, that you missed. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, so I think during the years what happened was from pushing myself so much because I, I didn't want to be the worst and I knew my goal was to make it out of the situation that I was in. So it became, when I realized how good I was getting on the ball, I started to stop thinking about taking myself out of where I was, but thinking even bigger, like Champions League, playing at Manchester United, playing in English Premier, playing in Europe, you know? Mm -hmm. And when that dream really hit me, it was at the age of like 14 or so. And I realized that there weren't many professional players that were taken directly out of Trinidad and Tobago into the pros. Only Dwight York and a few other, Russell Latapi. Um, and those were the guys, Stern John, those were the guys that we kind of looked up to. Yeah. And yeah. I knew that if they did it, I could have done it, but maybe there's other ways because around then we started to talk about school and stuff. And I, even though I hated school, my parents wanted me to, to have an education. So then I had to put that into my dream also, right? Yeah. And I understood the importance of it, especially um, as an athlete. You know, a lot of people, they try to, they try to frown upon the athlete. Because you know you're not you're not smart enough and you're not this and whatever. So to me, getting an education in this world was important, especially as an athlete. So yeah. um, so what you say the basically the two the two big takeaways from how you ascended so rapidly was just one a big dream and then two just a ferocious work ethic. Ferocious, bro. Ferocious. There was nothing yeah. else. Yeah. There was nothing else, you know, yeah. because um, I just wanted to get better. I, you know, you try to make a pass and it doesn't go where you want it to go. And then you realize, okay, you can make a pass and, you know, you practice and you realize you can make a pass and put it where you want it. But then you're struggling to do it very yeah. fast. You can't do yeah. it under pressure. That so now you have another challenge, right? Yeah, absolutely. And something you hit the nail on the head with was 
mean, I remember for us growing up, we had like had to buy the corporate methods VHS tapes and stuff like that, and watch the moves and all that. And said saw a lot of stuff on TV. Um, in your case, I mean, nowadays kids have access to YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff. Everything. You know, you have it all. Everything. Everything. Yeah. 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 So the question is what what um you know what to practice is what to practice there's so many options right there's so many options and that's where i think the communication between the coaches and the players could increase because i will tell you one thing i didn't give a damn when i was playing you know if i if i if there was something that i didn't understand and a tactic that i didn't get i was asking a coach and you know i've gotten i've gotten slack for that i've gotten my teammates and stuff you know would look at me and shake their head and and make jokes and all that stuff but it didn't matter to me because i became wiser mm-hmm. and the questions that i asked were always important to help me get better yeah know? yeah so that's that's one thing that I think you know kids these days well over the course of time get afraid of asking questions you know and being inquisitive and stuff because of the peer pressure and because you know the people they think that they expected to know certain things and you know they think the the question with the typical statement of that's a stupid question yeah man i've been called dumb stupid all these things before you know by teammates and stuff mm. even by even by some coaches but my focus on my dream couldn't stop me from not asking questions because i had to know you know yeah you just it have certain things in the game like if i didn't understand how to give cover as a defender how mm-hmm. do i become a better defender Mm-hmm. right and if i don't yeah. understand it in my mind then i can't play the position you know so um i always i always push myself even though i may sound and feel stupid mm-hmm. to continue to learn and continue to ask questions and that's something that my parents always encourage me to do ask questions if you don't understand something ask questions don't be afraid don't be ashamed because at the end of the day you will always learn more than the other person absolutely i think encouraging you know youth players and young players to you know ask coaches and engage in that coach to player communication is is uh very important i guess on the topic of questions what uh what would you do to get into how how to get to the college? What do you do there? You know what oh, questions oh, man. you ask yourself oh, man. as far as you know what type of college do I want to go to? You know where right. I want to play in college? You know things like that. So before before we go on, and I have to state clearly that I am a full believer in God. I have strong faith in something bigger than myself, right? God, the creator of, of all of everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I have always prayed and asked God 
for certain things. You know, I one of the things that I wanted as a young kid was to travel because, you know, it's something that was so far-fetched for me. It was a dream of mine, you know, to just at least travel somewhere. And yeah. um, <laughs> I know it's something so lame right now, talking to a bunch of Americans that, you know, probably travel all the time and stuff, but it's have people out there that never even see the inside of a plane, you know, or never made it to an airport. Yeah. Because they don't have the money to, they don't have the means to. And um, yeah, that was one of my dreams. That was something that I wanted. And um, I, I knew that football would do that for me. But also I understood that because of my faith, that it worked out like that, right? Yeah. Becoming, a, becoming a college player to me was just a matter of one of the dots that I marked on my map on the way to becoming professional. Okay. It was, it was a means to an end, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I knew that every time I watched football on TV, and by the way, everybody know by now, when I say football, I mean soccer, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, when I watch football on TV, there will always be the, the breath in the air. Like when they blow out, the, fr- the uh, what do you call that? The condensation? <laughs> Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I always see all these players on TV. When they play in an English premiere, they will have the, the, um, the, the condensation coming out of their breath and stuff, and it will be cool. Yeah. And I thought that if I went to college for, for four years, I would need to be prepared to be a professional. Now I'm accustomed to the weather, I'm accustomed to the temperature, to the tropics. How do I make myself accustomed to cold weather so that when I become a professional, this is not going to be any problems for me and I could, I could dominate my, my opportunities. Yeah. So when I started meditating that and thinking about it, there were two Trinidadian players, Brent Rahim and Darren Lewis, that went to UConn. And UConn was one of the coolest schools that I, that I knew that was very good. So by the age of 15, 16, I started to have another dream along the way to go to Yukon because this was his school. It was a top school. Darren and Brent Rahim won, national, won a national championship there in 1998 or something, or 2000. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and I want to go there because it's a top school, and you know, is they want something and it's cool, which is most important. Even though I had no idea what I was getting myself into, I knew that I had to do it because this will prepare me for my for living this living my dream of being a professional and being fully prepared. You know, yeah. Um, so. I realized that I had to be a top player to get into UConn and I continued with my, my work rate and with my, 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 um, my dream and working towards it and everything. And I ended up on a very good high school in Trinidad and Tobago, which the team that I was on will be spoken about for decades. <laughs> right, we we dominated, man. We absolutely 
I mean, that's when football in high school was real, real good, you know? Yeah. So from, be, from doing that and from helping my teammates and from pushing them and, and winning and stuff, we attracted the likes of Yukon back to Trinidad and Tobago. And <clears throat> my dream came true. My dream came true two years, two or three years after to go to Yukon. That was what yeah. I wanted and, and it happened. I got a full ride that my parents could never pay for in their dreams, right? And I would, I would never allow them to. And um, I was able to go to Yukon, University of Connecticut. I went there for four years. I graduated with a degree in resource economics and geography, two different degrees. And I was an All-American freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. I was defen defensive player of the year, defensive player of the biggest um, for three years in a row. Um, what is called it? Herman Trophy, Herman Trophy yeah. candidate, two years. Mark Herman Trophy candidate for two years. You know, it's, they don't like to give defenders anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I know. I wanted the I wanted the human. I know, I know that too well. I know that too well. <laughs> but yeah, man, um, that is my that was my road to UConn. Okay, and you know what's crazy? College. I think I think your system was probably set up a little bit differently than uh, the American system, where high school on in the islands is, is a really big draw. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Recruiting, so I think that's it's definitely a different pathway than what we're accustomed to. What's the pathway in the states typically? Uh, I mean, right now the platform is youth, your youth club. Um, and ah, yes, right now it's mainly a lot of the DA teams uh, right. get action, and then the top, you know, USYS like youth club teams also, yeah. you know, in ECNL, really good ECNL club. Right, right, club. right. Oh, but yeah, it's mainly top top youth clubs and. DA programs. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, high school. We played. We um, is a different is a different system. We on the we on the English system too. You know, America. And plus, yeah, it's the high school season is short, right? Yeah. Yeah. And college too. But yeah, that yeah. was my part. That was my part, bro. Um, and for all you the kids, friend, everyone. Sorry. Frederick Douglas. Yes, I did. I played against Frederick Douglas. Okay, I want to I want to call him. Yeah, my St. Anthony's used to beat up KRC all the time. They used to try <laughs> they used to try. But you know, when when I was younger, they we were kinda even. But when I when I got more experience in the game a couple after a couple years in high school, things became real um Abysmal for the other teams. Got it, got it, got it. Um, so from high school to college, what was the biggest transition for you? What was the biggest difference? Oh man, the game was the game was um, it was faster. It was more technical. It was more everything. More everything. You have to be more. You have to be better with time management. You have to be better with communicating. And, you know, 
transitioning from the Caribbean to go to live in a, in a torrid um, climate is not the easiest thing either, you know. Uh, when, I, when I went to college, it was in January in the spring season, and it was actually snowing, man. That was the first time I saw snow. And um, it was a shock. It was a shock. But, you know, it had days when I was going to, to train in, in the spring. I, I entered college in arguably one of the hardest times in the college season, which is the spring, because our program was so intense that was where we built our mental toughness and stuff. And me coming from the Caribbean in this warm place and going to train, going into Yukon, you know, flying into New York and driving up in the snow. And then here and now we have practice at 6 a.m. start. We have to be there at 5 today. It's like a huge shock, you know. And yeah. when we go in there, what we're doing is we're running. We running in this blue gym. Just that was like long time. Run, run, yeah. just run. So I remember times crying and stuff, man. <laughs> you know, um, going into practice and just like kind of crying to myself and asking myself, "What the hell am I doing? What are you doing, bro?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there is a lot of times when I question myself. And I, I, I like this opportunity that you've given me here to tell, to tell your kids that that's okay. It happens. It happens when you dream. When you have a big dream, when you have something that is beyond you, that is outside of your, your, your scope, that you're not seeing, that your brain can wrap it itself around, you do question yourself. You do yeah. question your reality what you're doing was your future was you know all that stuff and um you know you just have to continue you have to continue plugging away as long as you have a plan as long as you have a work ethic as long as you have good judgment good vibes you know you put you put good people around you you have a good staff and even if you don't have any of that the human mind and the human heart is so strong that we have the ability to achieve so many great things yeah. under, under duress. Because that, that's, when, that's when you achieve things, Chris. That's when you achieve things, guys. You never sit on a beach with your, with your feet in the sand and the sun kissing your face and the water crashing on your, on your, on your toes and you're going to achieve a professional contract. That's never going to happen. You're going to have to go. You're going to have to get gritty and put in the hours. How many hours? Do you know how many hours they say it takes to become an elite athlete, Chris? Yeah, I know. That's crazy. 30,000 hours. That was, that's, that's work and that's exercise that you do on your own. Yeah. Not, no not even with the coach. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And I don't want to, we know we're talking about all the good stuff and all that stuff. There is a lot of bad stuff that happens too because that is life. We think that on our way to our dream or when we achieve our dream that 
everything going to be gravy. Everything is never going to be gravy. Ever. You know, we just have to wrap our minds around life being a, a, not, a, not an easy thing. And when we realize that life is not an easy thing, then we go into being a spot mentally where we could conquer anything because we get accustomed to being uncomfortable. Yeah, right? no, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I mean, trials and tribulations. Uh, yeah, you long, start living in the... success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start living outside the comfort zone. When you're in the comfort zone, you're not going to achieve anything. It's when you push yourself outside there, outside your comfort zone, is when, when you start seeing the universe and when you start seeing things actually happening in your life. Definitely. So uh, give us a little bit about, uh, obviously you went from high, uh, high school to college, college to the pro. Uh, yeah. You know, walk us that experience, transition to the professional reps. Man, so in my, soft, in my junior year, well, up at UConn, Coach Reed, he kind of, he has a, like a web over the college where he tries to protect you from agents and stuff that try to snatch you out of college and snatch you from getting your education. And from my sophomore year, agents started to contact me to leave, to go to pros. But um, I was focused on, on becoming educated. And by my junior year, there was more contacts and um, by my senior year, I was already decided which agency I would go with. And I had already signed my MLS contract. Okay. Like my after, that's after the fall of my senior year. Yeah. So before the draft and before the combine and everything, I already had my, my, um, my MLS contract that was guaranteed. Got it. Which, okay. was, a, which, which was an absolute blessing. But yeah. Going through everything, you know, choosing agents and stuff was, was pretty hectic because, you know, you, all of them have their portfolios that you look at. You look at their players, who they, who they, were, uh, who they represent, who their company represents. You look at um, their life, you know, you ask around about them and then you have to make a choice because this is the person that you're going to have a partnership with for possibly the rest of your career or for the next at least two years of your career. Yeah. So um, that was kind of hectic for me and I prayed and spoke to my parents and after some advice, I chose to go with the Wasserman group. And okay. I had an yeah, I had an option to go to, um, to Europe. I actually had a contract waiting for me, but... I decided that I would go to the MLS to play and get experience first and then go to, the, um, to Europe. So um, when I signed with Wasserman, I signed my MLS contract and my career began. But it began, the second part of it started when I got drafted. I got drafted into Toronto 8 overall. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the proudest days of my life. I, my parents couldn't make it, obviously, because it's a different country and everything. But uh, my coach was there, Coach, um, coach McDonough, Paul McDonough, remember that name? Mm-hmm. He's the one that recruited me from Trinidad and Tobago. 
Okay. He was there and um, you know, the whole shebang and the lights and the cameras and everything. Yeah, so right. yeah, I remember, I remember that day because uh, later that night, uh, Sean Cameron and I uh, hit you up. We were talking on the phone later that night. That's when I first, first met Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, bro. Crazy yeah, night, memories, man. Yeah, memories. Because we were, yeah, we were a year ahead of you. We graduated a year ahead of you, so we were already. Yeah. You all were already pros, right? Yeah, yeah. We already, yeah, we were in the middle of our season. Or actually, it was, yeah, our season just. Yeah, I forget when it was. We were together. Yeah, um, it was pre. It was most likely preseason because yeah. they draft. They do the yeah. draft early in the year. That's right. Yep. Yeah. But so. um, yeah, it was cool, man. It was a really, really cool experience. And then, you know, getting drafted and then going up, hearing your name call. I was kind of pissed during the beginning because um, some players that got chosen before me. You know, we're kind of younger, and they came out of college early from, gener you know, the generation Adidas? Yeah, Adidas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they got drafted early, and the, the higher you got drafted is the more of a bonus that you got. Yeah. So between seven and eight, eight being drafted seven and eight, I lost about five to $10,000. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Bonuses, you know, yeah. the generation uh, Adidas. We had Mira Mupier on for our first episode. He was nice. Uh, yeah, a few episodes, a few years before that, Nike had the MLS contract. So Nike Project Forty is what he came Project out. Project Forty, so, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, he would have been one of those kids you were mad at. He was sixteen that got drafted. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It's like yeah. yo, you're taking money from the hand, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah. And what's crazy is, I mean. Uh, they, they're not even paid by the league. They're paid by Adidas. Yeah, so yeah. They take money out of your pocket, and they're not even being paid by the MLS. But it That's works crazy. out for the MLS because now the MLS don't have to pay me that. That you know what I mean? They don't have to pay these kids that get drafted earlier, and they don't have to pay me that yeah. um that bonus for getting drafted higher, right? Yeah, and I believe those players don't get. They, they don't count against the roster. They don't count against the roster. Yeah. They don't. It's all kind of stuff. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, so, the okay, so then pro, you, you hit your, uh, yeah. you hit your dream. You hit your dream, right? What did you do to stay there at that same level? You know, what man, you well, that well, the thing, the thing about it is that every time there was a change, I needed to increase everything, I needed to increase my ability to be disciplined, my ability to not, not lose focus with women, with alcohol, with, um, with distractions, my ability to perform at a higher level. The, there's more stress now from the coach. There's pressure from the fans. There's pressure from people back home. Mm -hmm. There is so there's the media. The media will make you feel really good about yourself when you do something good, and then they will break you down really badly. When yeah. you make a mistake, you know, right away, right away. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's people coming up to you and wanting your autograph. There's interviews you have to do, appearances, um, team meetings. Yeah. Uh, just a lot. It's a lot. It's our next jump in things that you have to do. You know, now the game requires more of you. And now you're either going to prove, now you're either going to give yourself more and bend yourself more to the game or you're going to get kicked out because you can't keep up yeah 
Yeah. So that's what happened when I became professional. I had to hit this curve, man, and I had to I had to pick up on it really quickly because I started off as a, the number one recruit. And in the beginning of the season, I was doing really well. But in preseason, sorry, at the beginning of preseason, I was doing really well. And I got an injury. I, I sprained my um, MCL. You know, that's part of football. That, uh, um, again, something that I want to mention. Something now we have to wrap our minds around. Playing football and pushing yourself. Talking your body. You're ripping your muscles and you're going in all different directions. You're going to get injured, right? As long, as soon as you accept that as part of the occupation, then your mentality to coming back will be that much stronger. And your mentality to prehab and to not getting injured will be stronger. So now you're going, now you're going to be doing a lot of maintenance. You're going to be doing a lot of foam rolling. You're going to be doing a lot of extra, maybe lifting, extra runs, extra core work. Extra abs, extra chest, extra groin, you know, all those things. Because when you, when you, um, when you tear in your body down, if your muscles are not strong enough to sustain the tear, they're literally going to tear in a bigger way. Except other than the small rips where it will get stronger, they tear in big, big ways where you get like big injuries. So yeah. I, had a, I had an injury at the beginning of the season, which it had nothing to do with my arm. Um, my muscle thing it had it was a tackle that i went into and i okay. used the wrong technique in the tackle and because of that technique i land i landed wrong mm. and coming back from that injury in preseason because the mls preseason used to be long i got another injury i dislocated my shoulder so the season hadn't even started and i had gotten two injuries so when I was healthy, there was, there was these guys starting above me. There was Tyron Marshall and a couple other um, guys, a guy that they brought in from France and international. And there were three seasoned professionals that were above me. And it was pretty discouraging as a rookie, you know. After playing all the, all the minutes at the college, and being on the national team and everything, and then going to the professional ranks, and then you're on the bench. You're riding the pine hard. <laughs> yeah, for and real. No, ch no chance of seeing the field. Yeah. But again, again, we have to know that football is such an incredible sport. It's so incredible. And we have to be prepared at all times. Right? Mm -hmm. Coming into the summer... Um, I was kind of, I was, I was not happy about my position and my mentality wasn't the best. And one of the coaches encouraged me and let me know, Hey, you have to keep pushing yourself. You have to keep getting better. That is where the, that is where the prize is. At yeah. the end of the week, when you, when you play, that is the cherry on top, but the prize is and when you feel yourself getting better and better and better, right? Because at some point, the opportunity is going to come and boom, you're going to be ready for it. Yeah. That's how I interpreted what he told me, right? What he basically told me with his words was, get off my butt and stop feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> yep. That was Great his advice. words. Great so advice. I took, yeah, I took his advice and started busting butt, man. And in July, the 8th, 
I came in and I was sulking and I was playing um, PlayStation like two uh, hour and a half before the game in the stadium at Toronto up there, BMO Field. Mm-hmm. And the same coach came to me and he's like, just keep your head in the game and don't worry. You know, um, keep pushing. Anything could happen. And I came up, came up the game and started focusing on the game and whatever. Meanwhile, there was two defenders, two centre-backs playing above me and one centre-back on the bench and I was on the bench too with him. One centre-back gets injured in the game during the game. Sorry, one mm-hmm. centre-back gets injured during warm-up. So the centre-back that was on the bench with me, he started the game and in, in the 20th minute in that game, he gets injured. And guess, who's, guess who goes into the field and guess who was ready to play in his first professional debut, bro. Yeah. <laughs> because because I didn't because the advice I took, I had no idea as a kid how to overcome being on the bench. Yeah. And the advice was I kept my mind open. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get on with it. And yeah. I was ready for that man. And it was against Toronto FC against LA Galaxy. And I was blessed enough to score uh, to score my first professional goal on a set please, bro. Oh wow! Yeah, first professional was that a, was game. Was that a header? A header. Yeah, header. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, against the against David Beckham and the LA Galaxy. Luckily, he might not know that, so he brought, that's why he brought you in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, so I mean, look, well, that, the that story get the pro level so long. Um, you know, you know, obviously, yeah, having his mentality being open to anything, you know, helped you yep. prevail in, in those rough situations. Yep, yep, it's all mentality, Chris. If I need to leave the kids with anything, anything at all. Everything is in your brain. Everything is mentality, right? Every single thing. The team that is down by a man, two, two men, let's say one man, and is down a goal and comes back and wins the game 2-1, that's all mentality. You understand? The yeah. player that is not the best player, Absolutely. the player that is not the best player, but he succeeds in the tackle mm-hmm. or he succeeds in... He succeeds in winning the head ball or he gets to the ball first. Yeah. The second ball, he wins the second ball. A header goes and he anticipates and he gets to the second ball mm-hmm. first. That is not that is nothing else but mentality. And yeah. it is your mind. It's what you have in your mind, what you're meditating on. Absolutely. So I mean that's obviously why you were at the pro level so long. Uh you know, you got uh, you you obviously played some time with the national team. How was that? How was that experience? Oh man. Ah. Oh, man. Oh, man. I got to play with Dwight York, man. I got to play with the guy I watch on TV, man. Dwight York, Russell Latifi. I played some games with Stu and John. Those okay. were the guys that I looked up to when I started to, when I first started to play football at 12. Okay. And I got to train with them on the national team. Um, the, the national team coach, I just got tired there. Dennis Lawrence. Marvin Andrews, Avery John, all the classics, man. I got the opportunity to train with them and play and um, play games with them. Okay. I, oh, I forgot to tell you when when I was in college, 
when Trinidad and Tobago was qualifying for the for the World Cup. Yeah. Because I was doing so well, I I got called into the national team also to okay. go into World Cup qualifications. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's after that's after we had qualified. We was like no, sorry, we was one or two games away from qualification. And they called me in to, uh, to see me if they could have bring me into the team. But Got I was too, I wasn't that ready, you know? Yeah, huh? that'd be crazy. That, that had to be oh, a crazy man. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, it would have. But, uh, yeah, going to the national team was, again, that's, a diff- that's another level too, right? Other than playing professionally, playing for a national team is always a dream that you would want to represent the country and um, I played in, in some World Cup qualification games that you know is life or death games that are extremely intense man extremely intense yeah. and um, I played in CONCACAF games CONCACAF club championship games that are extremely intense where you go to Central America and these countries Mexico where the fans intimidate you and they throw bags of piss um, on the field yeah. at you, and they try to spit. They try to spit at you and stuff like that. You know, it's it's pretty hectic, man. <laughs> but yeah. you know, in those moments when when it gets like that, you're going to think back on your dream that you wanted. You want to be. You want to be like this. This is what you wanted, bro. This yeah. was the dream you dreamed for. This is part of it. You know, because it's not always. No matter what, no matter what dream you have. If you want to accomplish it, if you want to keep and remain in it, you have to realize that even within your dream, there is shitty times too. There is bad things that will happen. Yeah. You know? So you're not going to shy away. You're not going to go into your dream and be like, you're not going to become a multimillionaire, which is if that's your dream, and lose and lose 200 million and be like, man, I don't want this dream no more. What are you going to do? Yeah. You have to push. You have to push and make 400 million, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's obviously every kid's dream, uh, you know, to play for their national team. You obviously right now are in a position at the DA or with the academy team where you are able to help kids get to that level. Um, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah. What are you doing now within your coaching career? Well, I – have been blessed again to be able to come to this academy. Hey, right? Real quick, do you have, are you are you uh, are you back home already? Are you back home now? Right. Um. I just parking right now. Y'all were here any rain just now? No, no, no. I was gonna say uh, the the viewers. I know they want to see you. Yeah, yeah. I just parked in the car. I'm gonna um run into the to the apartment now. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So yeah, go ahead about the uh, the DA. Yeah. Yeah. But let me be, let me first tell you something before we go on to the day and stuff. I want to tell you all how my opportunity came about at um to be an academy coach. I always love I always love um being instructive on the field. You know, as a centre back, you gotta be you gotta talk, right? The more you talk as a centre back, as a matter of fact, you, the more you communicate as a in football period. At any level, at any phase, at any stage, in any position, the better your life will be. Yeah. Yes or no? Could I get that amen? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You understand? So for the kids, 
you know, start start practicing, communicating more, start talking to your teammates, start um, you know, trying trying Hana that is something that would help you help you in the game. Anyway, yeah. so I always um would coach and help out and everything like that and give back to whichever community I was in. And um from doing that, um, you know, people will tell me that I was a good coach and you know that they appreciated it and stuff and you know i i kind of like that i i like that i could help other people to achieve their goals and their dreams and in 2014 i broke my leg in two places i went up for a ball i was on on a recovery run and yeah. the striker the striker made a shot and the goalkeeper made a great save to the left and the ball popped up and I was I was there, but I was there in time with my speed. So with all the velocity and momentum, I got there, right? And okay. I jumped jumped up and tried and kicked the ball in the opposite direction and was turning and going for the ball at the same time. And my leg, my one leg that I stood on to turn and go for the ball just broke under me. Wow. Yeah, Tib and Feb. Bro, just gone. We was playing. Um, San Antonio Scorpions were playing against um, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So, so uh, after yeah. that, I remember, I remember when you came to San Antonio. I was just leaving. I think you were coming back from Thailand. I was going to Thailand. Ah, yes, 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 yes. I was coming back from Thailand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Thailand is a wild place, man. Whoa. <laughs> Anyway, that's for another that's for another day. Yeah, another, another so, yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah, when that happened, I realized that I had not after all those years, by that time I was I was playing, let's say um I was playing about nine years, eight years, eight years in the game. Okay. And, What happened was, I realized that after playing so long, this injury opened my eyes that I didn't have anything in the game. So, I decided to go get my coaching license. Okay. Which was the best idea that came to me ever, 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 ever. Because what happened was, when we fast-tracked forward... I was able to start coaching at the end of, um, you know, coming down for the last two, three years, I started to coach in New Jersey. And remember, Chris, when I was over there with Adla in Atlantic City? That's right. Yep. Right. I was able to go coach with you and, um, and stuff like that. But coming down to the end of my career, last August, I started to put my resume together and I hit up... Paul McDonough, remember that name? What's that? I, I got to hit up Paul McDonough. Do you remember that name? I don't. There he is. <laughs> yeah, I am more. Oh, yes, hold on. <laughs> Y'all could hear me? Could everyone hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. So um, at the end there, I hit up um, Paul McDonough. He was the, the guy that was there. He drafted me and recruited me from Trinidad and Tobago. 
Okay. To help me in my resume. But when I did that, I hit up some of my other friends that were good with resumes and stuff. And I didn't even realize that Paul McDonough had built Orlando City, MLS team. He built Atlanta, MLS team. And now he was in charge of building into Miami. Wow. So, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. And, you know, from all, from, from hitting them up and stuff, and uh, an opportunity had opened up right in time for me to finish my career mm. and go right into academy coaching. So it well, was, I don't a, know it was a nice like transition. <laughs> Sorry? I said, I don't know. What's that? What's that? I said, I don't know, but it sounds like we're all about to get ready to meet him. <laughs> Who? It's Paul, Paul McDonald. Beckham. Oh. Bro, that man's so busy, bro. That man's so yeah. freaking busy, man. He's building the, you, he the, the whole thing. We got the link with but you. When, when you come out here, you gotta let me know, you know. You gotta let me know when you yeah, come you out. Yeah, you already know I'll do that. You already know that'll happen. So, Art, right, so you're at, you're at Inner Miami. You're obviously uh -huh. in position to be able to give back to the kids. Uh, you know, yeah. how's that feel for you? It's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing opportunity. For me, because I see myself in each kid, right? I see when I, when I try to interact with them and try to teach them things, I see myself, this young kid that didn't know anything about football, that didn't understand the game, but would love to get knowledge and, 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 and understanding and, you know, just some, just some push in the game. Yeah. That kind of thing comes to my mind every time I, I coach, right? And obviously, I'm competitive and, and want all these things. But to me, the moments where my paws raised, when the kids come back and they say, Coach, coach, that one thing that, that you told me about, I tried it and it worked. Those kind of those moments... Those are the ones that, that make me extremely happy. Yeah. Because I know as long as the kids continue to keep their mind open to listening and to learning, that they're on a very, very good path. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, uh, so what are some of the things that you're doing down there, um, you know, from a philosophy standpoint, from things you learned growing up um, to give back to the kids down there at that level? Right. So... We, at the academy level, we want, when we coach, when we train, our level is professional level. We want our kids, we coach them and we train them to be professionals. So, we, so for me, that starts, well, first of all, we'll say, I'll tell you, when we have our academy meetings, the, one of the biggest things that we talk about is that there's a lot of skill and talent down here in Miami, in Florida, because, you know, it's, all year round football, there's no winter, there's no, you know, they're always playing football if they want. But the mentality side of it is something that needs to be worked on. So in most of our meetings, we could always agree that we might have players that might have skill and technique, but the main thing that we talk about that we want to help our kids with is their mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that goes all across the board. 
right? And we tie the mentality into different things. Like, what's your reaction when you lose the ball? What's your reaction if your teammate doesn't do something that you want? You know, are you polite? Do you look at people in the eyes? Are you shaking hands? You know, when you go on road trips, you understand yeah. how are you behaving? We pre we pretty disciplined with certain things like that. You know, we have our our end game philosophies, but our main thing is the mindset. What mindset you have? What mentality you have? So it's just important to be a, a good human being. Um, you know, citizen as it is a good player. You actually said it perfectly, Chris. We, our, well, my goal and by extension, the technical staff's goal is for us to guide these young men into becoming better human beings. Absolutely. That's big. Yeah, that's really big. Um, I know we could, we could definitely go on and on. Let's uh let's see uh you know well, obviously we're gonna get you back on to another episode but I think yeah, there's some sure. questions that some of the kids have or if Dwayne or Tom if you guys had something you want to touch on before we got to the yeah man the feel field. free feel free guys yeah Jules sorry for I, talking uh, so much <laughs> before I open the floor up to the kids I had a quick question for you so you said yeah you alluded to basically football saved your life you know in in a certain way coming from where you came from. Um, yeah. Are there, are there moments in your career, whether it was high school, whether it was college at UConn, whether it was on the various teams you were with in the MLS, were there moments where you thought back to where you started and that helped you maybe propel yourself, gave yourself an extra push to run a little bit harder, jump a little higher? Are there moments that you can pinpoint in the past that said, you know, that's a moment where I look back and I'm like, you know what, this is where I came from. I don't want to go back. Yeah. Um, tough one. I gave him a tough one. Yeah, that's, a, that's a very good question. No. That's a very good question. And I will, I will be honest with you, bro. My mentality, sometimes I do it now, but while I was playing, I was so dreamy, dude. I was so, I was so in it that my my t the thought of the past was never with me. I was always on the present and, and what could I do to go forward, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, I never really thought about this, how it used to be, blah, 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 blah. Because while, when I started to dream and stuff, those things were... I, I'm not sure how to explain it, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit different to, to the average person, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. I mean, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had, some bad, I had some bad moments and stuff. For example, uh, in the Under-17 World Cup that we trained three years for in front of our home crowd, Trinidad and Tobago actually hosted the Under-17 World Cup. And... Um, we were playing Brazil in the World Cup down in Porto, Spain, jammed out crowd. I think it was like 50, 60,000 seater our stadium, maybe more. Actually, more than that. Um, scored an own goal, man. This Brazilian went down the line and whipped the ball. And I tried to block the cross from going past the center of the goal. 
I was like between the middle and the first post, and I tried to block it from going past, and perfect, perfect strike, dude, right down into the back post. <laughs> Great finish. Yeah. Great finish. So, yeah, it's tough. Dude, my goodness. And you know, our culture is so. We don't care in our culture. If you do, if you're ugly, we will call you ugly. You understand? Like, if you have a big nose, your nickname will be Big Nose. You know what I mean? So, you see, you see my, the flag um, in the back. I know what you're saying. You see the flag <laughs> in the back. You know exactly. Yeah, what exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, my friends, my friends started to call me Escobar, bro. You all know about Pablo Escobar, right? Oh. The guy that got. Um, he got assassinated after scoring an own goal for his country in, um, in the World Cup for Colombia. Mm. And um, that, was one of the, that was one of the biggest low points in my life. That um, It was difficult to conceive and to, to get over because the whole country, see, scoring an own goal, right, as a defender. And, you know, your friends, when you come back home on top of that, your friends hitting you for six home runs. You know they're not they're not laying up right, so it is get it's a lonely it's a lonely road, it's a lonely road. Everyone knows that your goal, your your path and stuff, is often a lonely place where you're going to be by yourself working on your craft. So sometimes I think back on that and I think about if I had allowed that to affect me, mm. if I would have done as good as I would, you know. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I, it, it hit me hard, but I didn't allow it to, you know, because you have to have thick skin. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to have thick skin or else you will get, or else whatever anybody says is going to get to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Tama. No, I, I don't, mine's more of a statement. I just, I think. I think your outlook on the game and all is, is really refreshing and it's 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 nice to hear just so much love coming from soccer. Thank it you, makes, man. Thank us, you. It makes us, it makes me feel lucky to be a part of the game. Awesome, and I just wanted to, to let you know that. Awesome, bro. We are, we are, we I we we chose this game and we chose the game and we and we smart and we brilliant enough to stay in it, mm-hmm. you know? And we are good enough people to connect with other people and connect with kids and connect with parents and and is is an all wrong thing. Football is football is life. People don't understand it because they don't they, they never played it and they never like got into to the technical tactical side or whatever. But um it's an honor. I think it's an honor to be able to be a coach. And in this day and age in football, especially in the U.S., yeah. man. Exciting time. Yep. Exciting time. 100%. Cool. Well, um, sure. We're running out of time. Let me see if I can answer or ask some of the questions that you have for you. Um, let's yeah, see. Let, me, let me hear from the boys, man. And girls. If I have girls here, too. Absolutely. Uh, Kieran wants to know, what advice do you have for someone aspiring to reach the youth academy level? Youth academy level? That's a, that's a great um, aspiration to have. And I hope that's not the only aspiration you have, okay? There is bigger, bigger dreams that you could. The youth level could just be one of your goals along the way as you grow up. To get to that level, basic the basic of being an academy player is having a having technical ability. That's the basic of 
getting opportunities, you know. If you if you're willing to spend two hours a day on the ball, an hour to two minutes, just practice your technique and get that get the basics down. Whatever you get from your coaches, whatever techniques you learn, you have to master it because they're giving you all these tools to play better. Now, after you get the technical side, and you're always going to continue to work on it because even as a professional, I still, and you would still see David Beckham and those big players still hitting their free kicks, practicing passes, practicing heading, shooting, everything. But as your technical ability increases, now you're going to see how your game going to increase because technical is a huge part of the game. But on the other side of that, you have to also improve your your tactical abilities, your tactical knowledge and understanding of the game. And one way, I, one way I could advise you to do this is by refusing to be a spectator of the game. So typically a spectator will watch the game and they will see when the camera zooms in, when a goal scores, when there's a fight, when, you know, when the crowd makes a noise or something. But a footballer that is interested in the game is not going to only watch where the ball goes. Is the footballer going to watch the plays off the ball? What run did the striker make when the outside midfielder had the ball? Did he check into space before he made his run behind? Did he make a did he check behind before he made his run on the top to check? Right? Those kind of things. Um, look at your position specifically. If you are right back, look at right back. If you are center back, look at center backs. And look at their movement off the ball. Not only on the ball. On the ball is when their technical abilities come in. First touch, how they prepare, pass, if they dribble, if they dip their shoulders, all that stuff. But if you are a midfielder, check, check your midfielders how many times they check in over their shoulders. You know, top midfielders, you'd see them checking their shoulders 10 times before the ball gets to them, right? Is he checking his shoulders 10 times or is he checking it five times? And he orients his body so that he could see both sides of the field, both goals, right? So those kind of things I would encourage you to, to start. I hope you have a pen and paper. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, do you got for, what do you got for a goalie? Give me, give me something for the goalie at the academy level. For a goalie is basically the same thing because you would see a goalkeeper, if a goalkeeper could organize well, he doesn't take many shots. And all of a sudden his his um goal percentage goes in a very good direction. So I would encourage you goalie to understand defense. Right? And also understand look at the look at the professional goalkeepers, how they talk to their players. How they encourage when the defender makes a tackle, how they encourage them, you know, how they talk, all that stuff. But not only that, start paying attention to strikers, right? The runs that strikers will make, how they strike the ball, are they using their laces, how they put their bodies before they use their leg, before they put their, um, use their inside of their foot, you know? When you are able to see these mannerisms as a goalkeeper or as a player, for example, I took pride in being a 1v1 defender, very good 1v1 defender, and a shot blocker. And the reason why I became good at that is because I paid close, close, very fine attention 
tell which foot the player was on, which what is their strength? Is are they are they strong on their left foot? Are they strong on their right foot? Do they have a big shot with their left foot? Do they have a big shot with it? All these things is just information that you need to give yourself when the game starts or even before the game starts. For example, like the goalkeeper. If you see, if you have tape of a player that you might play before of a striker and you see he has a big left foot shot, what you're going to do when the ball is on his left foot? Now you're going to prepare yourself more. All right, he hits the ball very hard across, across his body. Right when he hits the, when he hits the ball first, post he uses the inside of his foot. So now you could recognize how he's going to place the ball and how he's going to angle his hips. Right. So as a goalkeeper, there's plenty you could learn just from watching other players and their mannerisms. When you could anticipate and see how they move their hips and their body, now you can anticipate where the ball will go. A lot of goalkeeping is anticipation. A lot of football is anticipation. As a matter of fact, most of football is anticipation. By the time you're ready to react, it's too late. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Dwayne, what else you got? You got one to give maybe one more? Yeah, we'll do one more. Oof. Um, a couple good ones on there. We got the twins each asking a question. If I pick one, it's going to be it's gonna be fighting afterwards. So I'm going to mess, their, Go ahead. I'm gonna mess their questions together so that they can, uh, they can have dinner in peace. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so AJ wants to know um, how you were able to connect with the college coaches um, while you were on the island, and what grade in high school did you get your first offer? That's from well done, Dwayne. Right. Yeah, so I <laughs> – my – okay, so it have multiple ways of doing this, right? I will tell you for me, for yeah. me because of the – opportunities that I, that I was blessed with to be on the under-17 national team and play in a World Cup, and then to be on a high school team that was so good, we attracted the eyes of many college coaches. So in my second to last year in, in high school, I was, I was being recruited, but I... I didn't feel like if I was ready... When I, when I got that opportunity. And it, it came, the opportunity came very, very sudden. And um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't right when I, when I thought about it. So uh, they came back the next year and I got the opportunity again. For players that, not, that don't have um, the opportunities that I had, right? And there are, there are a lot of people like that. I have a lot of friends like that that, that um, did it different ways. Um, you have to actively pursue your goals, right, in life. Uh, you can't wait for somebody to do something for you. So, especially in this time and, and, and day when there is a lot of information and there's the internet, right, I would advise a player that wants to go to college to start writing college coaches. Start collecting your game tape. There's a lot of game tape on, on, on a lot of players these days, right? Start collecting your game tape. Start working on, on video edits. I know you all, all of your kids, you're good at Snapchat and all those um, and the Instagram filters and stuff, you know? Start working on making your highlight video, right? And, and start dreaming which schools do you want to go to. 
right? Start dreaming about your schools. Start putting your goals down and start writing it down, right? One of the biggest things for me is not keeping your dream in your mind, but putting it on paper and making it a reality. Talk to other people about it and ask for advice. So you have a, a great group of coaches around you here that you could talk to and you could, you could ask questions. And then there's the internet that if you look up your, your school that you want to go to that you dream of, you can fix your highlight tapes and ask your coach to help you put together uh, an, a letter of interest and you start asking questions. You know, I have a short story for you. Um, anyone knows about Kai Kamara? He's one of the, he's one, like the fifth or fourth leading goalscorer in MLS history. He's one of my best friends. Him and I were together in Houston, right? And um, when I heard his story, this kid got himself into college and into the MLS by going and talking to these coaches. So he went to the job, he went to, to college, sorry, he, he, they, found him, they found him for high school. And then he went and asked the um, college coaches about getting into school. And then when he found out about the MLS and stuff, he started to, he went to the, um, one of the combines and, and asked the coaches about getting into the combine and playing in the MLS. Right? He took it into his own hands. I've had friends, I have a couple, I have one friend that I know for sure that got himself onto his national team, Haiti, because they were in camp and he just came every day. He came every day to the camp and asked the coach to train. And somebody got injured and guess what? He got the opportunity to train and then um, a month after he was starting in, um, in this big and goal any goal cup for Haiti. <clears throat> right? So... These kind of there's no there's no perfect way for things to happen. There's no ideal pathway, right, for things to happen. But if you really want something, you have to pursue it. You have to make that action and take the step forward to do it. And if you do it in the right way and you ask for advice and help, life and the universe will help you achieve it. That's awesome, man. That's great advice. That's great advice. Hey, look. We're going to have to get you on for another episode. I'm um, there, man. Let so me know. Much, so much. And I think in the next one, I definitely want to dive in more to uh, a little bit more into the professional background and then also the national team and get yeah. even more into what you're doing at the DA. Um, yeah. And I know you have more information for us with that because there's still changing some things around. So can't wait to get you back on for that. Yeah, um, man. We definitely appreciate you being on. Um, what, what, uh, what are your social media? Right. Oh, okay. So, um, on social media, my Instagram is at Mr. Julius James, and Facebook is Julius James too, and Twitter, right? And um, also, as I said, I love to give back. So, um, a few when I was in Trinidad and Tobago playing down there, in be- in between playing in the US, I start a foundation with my friend home that were also national team footballers and um, professional footballers and we realized that we didn't like the representation of football in our country wasn't the best 
And we thought that we should make something that will represent football in a better way with love and passion <clears throat> and what it actually represents. So mm. our foundation is a non-governmental organization that was formed out of the need of having integrity, out of the need of having somebody that will come back and plant back into the country and into the youths. So what we do down there is we go into differently able schools, we go into orphanages, we go into um, at-risk communities and schools, and what we coach, we coach the kids and we have mentorship programs with them where we teach them football and we, ex we talk to them about life experiences and about making choices, what choices they have. Because the people that we work with, the demographic that we work with, they often have a low eyesight, a low vision of themselves, right? It's very short. It's a short vision because of what they experience and what they see around. And... Um, we encourage them and we work on topics like um, bullying. We talk to them about women's rights, financial um, literacy, social media etiquette. Um, we, have, we, have, um, we have a psychologist that we work with. We have a programs that we have where we, well, you all might not know this, but Trinidad and Tobago has the third highest rate of suicide in the, in the um, Caribbean, mm -hmm. in the whole region. And, we we uh, we understood that and we understood that amongst athletes too there is a lot of depression and, and mental illness and we decided to marry football and um and actually like talking and expressing yourself with the psychologist that we work with back home in our program called Sport in Mind and mm. we have had kids parents write us saying that that they save their lives and their kids no longer are suicidal and, and all this stuff. So we, we have had um, partnerships and collaborations with the U.S. Embassy back home. And we, have, we were supposed to have one going on um, this year, but you know what happened. Uh, yeah, man, we're just working towards just building a big organization back home that would support the disenfranchised the people that were born with disabilities that, um, you know, have different, differently able, everyone, everyone, that society typically turn their back on. We realize yeah. that those are the people in society that need care and that needs to be taken care of. And we have passion towards teaching them the game and helping them to see that football is not only for people that, could run around and people that have all their all their um, all their faculties, you know. Yeah. And we have some really really great results because we've had kids that we work with in differently abled schools that had had low function, and from us coming and and giving them that good vibes and doing all the proprioceptive activities and football and stuff, their function has increased, and their yeah. parents are writing in and saying that, you know. Um, their kid is functioning at a, at a higher level mm. physically and mentally. So um, the sport is not only good for, for the average man. You know, it's not only good for, 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 your, for your body to be a certain way. It's very good for the brain and it's very good for, for health. 
you know. So we kind of push that in our in our foundation. It's called Canbu Play, the Canbu Play Foundation, right? Um, it's attached to my to my um, to my Instagram and to my social media. But I just wanted to push that out there so the kids will know that over the course of your career, over the course of your life, you have to understand and realize that there are people that are less fortunate than you, that you could actually save their lives by smiling at them, by shaking their hand, by reaching out a helping hand, by taking your old boots and giving them, you know, when I started to play football, I didn't have any boots. I had um, one pair of shoes that I used for school, for church, to go outside and to play football, right? And um, I, want, I want everyone to understand that giving back should be part of our regular routine because it only takes one moment, one accident, one slight thing for any one of us to become disabled. No one could deny that. You go outside and something falls on your head, it hits you in the wrong place, you become, you become paralyzed or something happens. And what happens then? Now you want the rest of the world to, to give back to you, right? And to make you feel special. And this is how I feel. I feel that anything could happen to any one of us at any time. And these people were given life like this. They were dealt life like this. And mm -hmm. for me to have the consciousness to know that this could have easily been me, right, and not do anything is not good enough as a human being. Mm. So that is why the foundation to me is so important. And that is why I think I want, I want to express to everyone listening that giving back and helping others and helping people that are disenfranchised and people that are differently able and, and everything is something that is, is very human and makes you more human. And it's very good to do as, a, as an athlete and as anything. As long as you're living on this planet, we should always be seeking to try to do something outside of ourselves and to help other people. That's awesome. So that handle for, the, for your foundation, you want to give that one more time? The Kanbu Play Foundation, C-A-N-B-O-U-P-L-A-Y. And you could, you could find that that handle on my Instagram and my social media pages too on my Instagram is attached there. Awesome. Awesome. So and we'll if talk, going we'll... forward into the future, Chris, when we start, uh, when things start picking up, you're more than invited to come home to Trinidad with us. we trying to um, have tournaments and stuff where we're going to have our, the kids play and do some tourist stuff and going to help us in the um, philanthropy part where we're going to have interactive um, sessions with the differently able and the impoverished and everything like that. So going forward, you know, I'm I'm inviting I'm inviting y'all, you know, in the future to take awesome. a trip down to the islands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely touch base on that, and also I'll touch base with you offline to see yeah. where we can uh, help out with some donation stuff. Yeah, so, man. Again, yeah, like man. I said, we definitely got to have you back on. I appreciate the time. You gave a lot of great information, and I'm sure all of you are going to appreciate that as well. Uh, I, I truly appreciate the opportunity, guys. Chris, I thank you for the opportunity again. Thank you so much. All the other coaches inside there, all the players, thanks for your time. 
I really appreciate it. And um, I hope that you learn at least one thing from the stuff that I spoke about because it's real, real life experiences that, you know, I just want everyone to do well in their life. Absolutely. We appreciate Thanks it. Thanks a lot. We appreciate, we appreciate that. Tom Dwayne and to everybody that's watching. Julius, thank you. We'll Tom Dwayne. Blessings, Flowman. Chat have, soon. Have a go on, Julius. Nice to meet you again. Nice to meet you. Bless.